Hey there, and welcome to the Drinkable Globe podcast, episode 16. I am your host, Jeff Cialetti. And before we get into today's episode, I want to remind you I've got a new book coming out called Sakepedia. So if you're curious about sake, mildly interested in sake, a full-fledged enthusiast, or you've never even heard of sake, this is the book for you. And it's available for pre-order wherever fine books are sold, and it will arrive on February 12th. On today's episode, I'm happy to welcome Donna Stewart, who is a brand ambassador for Tullamore Dew, an iconic Irish whiskey brand. So we talk a great deal about Irish whiskey. So if you've ever been curious about Irish whiskey, this is the episode you do not want to miss. And we also talk about Ireland in general. If you're planning a trip there, Donna offers some great tips on where to drink and where to visit, and not just in the major cities. So here we go with episode 16, which I recorded last week at San Antonio Cocktail Conference. Great conference. Can't wait to go back next year. And here's my conversation with Donna Stewart. What's, what's your region for that? Uh, the West region. West so region. it's kind of everything west of Chicago because it includes Texas, right? And mm. I've got kind of main markets are California, Texas, Colorado, Washington, Seattle, and then a few other like maybe odd time a bit of Vegas and Arizona and stuff. Cool. And, and that's that's for uh, Tullamore Dew, which of course is a very famous Irish whiskey brand. And and I hate I hate using the term X is having a moment because I want to like like yes. everybody could say Irish whiskey is having a moment. I mean Irish whiskey's had a lot of moments. It's I was, been I was, having so a that's moment. a very long moment. Yes, totally. <laughs> so I let's not say that. Let's say Irish whiskey is finding its rightful place in the world once again, and you're a part of that. You know what's that feel like? Oh, it feels awesome. I mean, whiskey Irish whiskey has been growing consistently for the past five years i think it's like i don't know the stats but it's something like 20 percent or something yeah that sounds right yeah and it's can it's projected that it's going to keep growing at that uh, amount so i'm really excited to be a part of irish whiskey in a time like this especially the you know for the second biggest brand in america and in the world is like i like it i like being the second best because it always like gives you a little challenge to get to be the best yeah um and I love working for like an Irish whiskey because I'm Irish and it feels kind of really authentic to me. Like I would have always wanted to work. I've worked with Irish people in the past. I've always like repping my country and I've always kind of been an ambassador for Ireland. So it just seems like logical that I will be an ambassador for Irish whiskey. Obviously, I love it as well. So uh, that kind of helps. Um, but yeah, Irish whiskey is having a big moment and nowhere more than in the United States. Yeah, no, I mean, we, um, the United States is, it's funny because we're probably responsible for um, the crash of the Irish whiskey market in the early 20th century because we had this little issue we called Prohibition, <laughs> and we were a huge market for you guys. And you were part of the issue, <laughs> but there was a few things that added to it. Um, we actually, Ireland got its independence from Britain, which is like a happy thing but it killed a lot of our distribution channels. Mm. So that was a big impact. Also taxes were um, implemented on how much whiskey you produce. So that put a lot of people under pressure who couldn't afford those high taxes. Um, so a lot of distilleries closed. And then of course in America, you guys had prohibition yeah. and you guys were our, our favorites, you know? <laughs> um, so a lot of things happened and a lot of distilleries in Ireland ended up having to close down. 
But a lot of the brands survived because they got together and made one unit called Irish Distillers. And they distilled uh, Irish whiskey out of like one um, distillery in Ireland. But it was all still the same brands, the same flavors. And Tullamore Dew still got to exist because of Irish Distillers. So we're very thankful for that. And then in 2014, uh, William Grant and Sons bought Tullamore Dew and brought the brand back to Tullamore. And that is really our biggest like win that could have ever happened. Uh, we have a distillery now in Tullamore. It is absolutely massive. I don't know if you've seen any pictures. It is such a great experience to go uh, to see the warehouses of how much liquid we're storing and what, what are we going to do with that w- liquid? Like, who knows? Um, we're also making all three types of Irish whiskey now out of our distillery. So, you know, we had to, it took a while to get adjusted to that, but we're now making the malt, the grain and the pot still. So in a few years, we won't have to source whiskey from anyone else. It will all be produced by us. So that's kind of really exciting. Like um, Tullamore as well is such a cool town and they love like Tullamore do and everybody from Tullamore do. So I feel like it's a really legit experience of Ireland going to Tullamore. You're like in the countryside and you've got like small little pubs and they're cozy and great restaurants and people say hi to you on the street and Tullamore is a cool place and Tullamore do got brought back to Tullamore so we're all really happy about that. Um, just uh, since it's a, it's a very large travel element to my podcast, uh, tell us a little bit about where Tullamore is located, mm-hmm. um, a little more about the town. Uh, you know, just any any places you can recommend be a great place to to drink. You know, other than <laughs> visiting the distillery. And <laughs> yeah, so Tullamore is in County Offaly, and it's kind of in the heart of Ireland. Like if you look at Ireland, it's right there in the center. So about an hour's drive or on the train from Dublin. Um, so not too far. Um, especially if you're only there for a few days, it's like an easy little trip to make. But it's real countryside like you know you've got fields you've got farms like they've got they it's built up and it's modern but it still has that country mm. element um there's some really cool bars in tullamore um really fun ones am i am i able to say the name yeah uh, yeah. yeah okay there's some really cool bars in tullamore one in particular that i really like is called the brewery tap Mm-hmm. Um, so that one is the owner Paul there he'll always look after you they have every expression of Tullamore and it is flowing out of that place and they make a mean Irish coffee as well so I love it there but also as part of um, our visitor centre we have like a little um, area like where it's like a food dining drink place right and you would think like oh, it's probably just like a little cafe I love the visitor centre every time I go to Tullamore I'm like Yes, we're going for lunch at the visitor center. Like I've had everything on the menu. Like they make, they have the Tullamore, the display of Tullamore is like nothing you've ever seen. Um, yeah, they're really proud of it and they make mean Irish coffees too. So there's a lot of fun things to do in Tullamore, but you're also almost all on the way to Galway. So you've made a halfway to Galway. It's, oh, it's great. a great trip to go Dublin, Tullamore, Galway, because Galway is a party town. Yeah, that's right. A lot of people do that. A lot of people do Dublin and Galway. I, I haven't actually been to Galway. I've been to Dublin. I've been to Cork. I've been to Limerick. And oh, nice. Like You've that. been around. Yeah, a little bit, but I never got to Galway. Everyone's saying, I'm, I'm, but now that you say it's a party town, I'm not much of a party or something. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it can be a party town. So there's it's basically a strip of tons and tons of bars, mm. but there's loads of history to Galway, right? Like that's where the Clada Ring was made. Oh, really? So, you know, yeah, yeah. the Clada. Uh, the Clada River runs through Galway. So they've got like cute little uh, Clada 
museums where you can look at old, old cladder rings. I love that. I bought this cladder in Galway and like, it's just a fun town to walk around, beautiful food. Um, it's It's got that scenery and now you're on the West Coast and you're almost at the Cliffs of Mower. Mm. So you might as well just drive up to the Cliffs of Mower. Like how much time do you have? I'll make you an itinerary for Ireland. Have you been to the Cliffs of Mower? I have not, no. Oh, that's a must as well. So because you've been south and, yeah. you've, and you've kind of been around, like you've been on the east, I have to say every coast of Ireland is really different. Yeah. Like when you go to the, when you go on the West Coast, it's kind of like the, their thing there is limestone, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of white stone and it's like, you know, like deep colors of green and you've got the coast on your side. But then you go up the north and you do the wild Atlantic way, which is like Antrim. You go up from Belfast to Antrim and you go over and you can do the Giant's Causeway and stuff. That's where they film Game of Thrones. And oh. you would know, like just sitting there, exactly why they filmed Game of Thrones there. Like it feels like you've been transported to a different time. So like I've done both multiple times and each time I feel like I'm in a totally different place. Oh yeah so that's something I would definitely recommend like check out the coast do you like like doing like drives like scenic oh yeah drives? yeah yeah that's what yeah, I if I can get out about. of the cities as much as possible I mean I love going to the cities but I do I, I, I often don't feel like I'm seeing like the real country when I'm in the city and, oh and, yeah and I, I feel like Tullamore would be the type of place that just sort of like this this romanticized version of Ireland that everybody gets from movies yeah. and whatnot you know beyond you know the the hecticness of Dublin and everything like that. So. Oh, I always tell everybody, like, go to Dublin. Like, that's where I'm from. You know, like, I love it and everything. But you you know a city when you know a city. Like, yeah. it's amazing. There's so many fun things to find and everything. But you don't go to Ireland to go to the city. And you're just talking about Tullamore and it's, it's like that Ireland that you see in yeah. movies. It is, right? I took a few bartenders there um, in September of last year. And we went into this pub. And we're drinking Tullamore and we're all kind of keeping it mellow. We're chatting, we're having a good time. And out of nowhere, one of the guys at the bar stands up and just starts singing. He, he heard those Americans and he was like, oh, I'm going to give them a song. So he starts singing the Wild Rover. Uh, my American crew, like their jaws hit the floor. All of a sudden the night turned into a party. I had the taxi booked for midnight, changed it to one, changed it to two. They offered to do a lock-in for us. Like, so lock-ins <laughs> really exist. Yeah, and the, they, all my uh, American guys were singing all night. They made friends with all the guys at the bar and I was like, this is really a real Irish experience. Like, I'm so happy that I was able to give it to them. Like, that was their favorite night. Because of course I took them to typical bars and cocktail bars and we put, went dancing and stuff. But that was the night that they like kept talking about for months after, you know. And, and you're based now in, in Austin? No, oh. I, I'm actually based in LA. Oh, LA, LA. Yeah, yeah, but I love Austin. I like told I just went back to my boyfriend recently and I was like let's move to Austin mm. um I've been in LA for seven and a half years okay um but I just I always had wanted to come to Texas and I never really had like a specific reason to like it just kind of was like mm, what, when are we gonna go to Texas and I got this role four months ago and one of the first stops was Texas and I went to Austin and Dallas and I was in love like I stayed on an extra day met amazing people it nearly killed me like I went to every bar met every person like but I came back to LA and like I said I was like oh, I love this place so let's um let's talk a little bit about the the history of Tullamore Dew as a brand you know as a company um and 
uh, you know, from the beginning to where it is today. So yeah. I'm sure you give this spiel a lot. But <laughs> yeah, I try, I'll try not to make it too long, but uh, it's actually really interesting. Um, so it's kind of cool, I think, like when I always find that all different whiskeys kind of have a story and Tullamore Dew has a really good one too. So it's like Tullamore, obviously, as you know, now is a place, right? But the dew in Tullamore Dew is not, um, you know, the dew on the grass in the morning that you envision, although, you know, it's a nice vision. Uh, it actually stands for Daniel Edmund Williams, mm. uh, who was one of the guys who started working for Tullamore Dew. Uh, so it basically it opened, the distillery opened in 1829. He came to work shortly after, he was 14 years old, and he's working as like a stable hand. So just hard labor. And he worked his way up um, and became the GM by 25. Um, and he was definitely like, he was an entrepreneur, he was creative, he brought like, the telephone to Tullamore you know he brought the motor car to Tullamore like roads in Tullamore are called like Daniel Edmund Williams way or whatever um so anyways by 25 is the GM and then the family passed on the distillery to him or he bought it off them because they didn't have any sons and he was just he was standing out as the guy who was the perfect fit so he added DEW to Tullamore whiskey and he created the tagline give every man his due um yeah which is kind of cool right and uh everybody as in he was like well respected man he he kind of uh, perfected the balance of tullamore dew which is a triple blended irish whiskey right which is what makes us different to others most irish blends are just two so we have all three types um so he kind of created that special blend for us um you know we talked a little bit about what happened all the different uh, roads that kind of ended with a lot of distilleries closing um, so Tullamore closed its doors in 1952 I think and uh, of course opened again in 2014 and the brand stayed alive the whole time we always you know recognized Daniel Edmund Williams and the history that became before us we kind of a lot have a lot of respect for that but we've also done a lot of innovating and uh you know, we've seen what other people were doing in the market and we decided to play around a little bit and we've had some really fun expressions come out of Tullamore too. So um, one of them like to name would be the Tullamore Dew XO. It's the Caribbean cask finish. So basically it's Tullamore Dew original finished in Caribbean casks. We took them over from the Caribbean and it was kind of another nod to our ancestors uh, who originally a lot of Irish went to the Caribbean to work as slaves um so he, they were slaves over there and there's like a little town in the caribbean called, of montserrat and uh basically those guys still have like irish um like blood in them so they're like kind of have an irish features they talk with an irish accent they all know all the rebel songs they drink irish whiskey so we were like you know what like let's innovate but keep with you know the nod to our past and that's one of those cool innovations that kind of uh i think is kind of out there as like a new and exciting thing but also uh can stand its time and it's great for cocktails we're at san antonio cocktail conference and put a bit of exo in your cocktail it's delicious um but yeah so tullamore has been innovating and but i think the most important thing for us all is the original um do you want to taste some oh yeah absolutely okay gotta try this um so as I said, uh, Tullamore Dew is a triple blended Irish whiskey. So there's three types of whiskey that are made in Ireland, um, grain, malt, and pot still. Um, and Tullamore has all three 
types blended together. It's the only Irish whiskey that uses all three. And I think that it kind of uh, makes it be a distinctively Irish whiskey, right? Can't get more Irish than that. Um, so the grain gives it a sweetness, the malt gives it a fruitiness, and the pot still gives it a slight spice. So you want to have a little taste? Oh, sure. Slanja. Slanja. So you'll taste lots of different notes, like a bit of citrus, a bit of buttery. You'll get oak from our bourbon barrels. You might get a little green apple. That's kind of like one of our standout aromas that people sometimes sense. Yeah, I'm getting a little of that. Yeah, but it's really friendly. It's a friendly whiskey. It's welcoming to new whiskey drinkers, mm. and I think experienced whiskey drinkers really enjoy it too. Um, for me, you know, the original is my favorite, uh, but it's really fun to try some of the other ones too. Um, the XO I had named, the Cider Cask, which is uh, one that's finished in cider casks that have been used to make Irish cider. So we've got some real great ciders coming out of Ireland um, and we basically it's a seasonal thing we take the casks after they're done with them we finish the whiskey in it and what we kind of get left with is a really nice sweet soft apple like nuanced Irish whiskey so when when somebody is tasting Irish whiskey for the first time do you do you recommend a neat pour initially or yeah so I think there's a few things to kind of know and it, it's kind of hard because you don't always get told. So you think you're just supposed to like know what to smell, how to drink it, how to enjoy it. But I think um, the most important thing with Irish whiskey is the to open your nose up to it first, like allow the aromas to kind of get in. And the way to do that is if you keep your lips parted and you kind of tilt the glass to and from your face and just kind of take in a little bit. Because if you put your nose straight in the glass, what you'll get is alcohol. Mm. And that really doesn't allow you to get those scents. And what and I always find if I kind of, we did we just put the glass down and we lifted it back up. And I always feel like on that second time I get a few different things, like a bit more of a caramel. Do you get anything? It's really hard, isn't it, to like come up with what you can sense. Some on that one, I got some some sort of roasted nuts. Yeah, totally. Yeah, you would get roasted nuts and. Sometimes uh, a lot of the a lot of the kind of fruitiness that you might scent is coming from the malt. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit of sort of uh, dried fruit, dark fruit. Mm -hmm. kind of yeah, fruit. totally. We also use uh, three casks to finish it in. So we use bourbon that we get sourced from America. Um, and then we use ex-Irish, so something that an Irish whiskey's been in. And then the third one is sherry. So you might be noticing some of those uh, dried fruits and that might be coming in from the sherry oh, cask. okay, yeah. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, so it's really different. Like it has all those three elements and I think uh, you kind of get it then when you taste it. So now we've taken in the aromas and when you taste it on the palate, what you'll get is, I don't recommend, by the way, because you were asking how, I don't recommend that you hold it in your, in mm. your mouth. I recommend kind of that you kind of take a little sip, let it down and then go back for the second. Cause the second always reveals more. Hmm. And they say you can get like 17 aromas out of any whiskey. So the second one really kind of, the second sip allows you to kind of take that in. Um, but on this, when you sip it, you, you might taste now like a little bit of oaky. What you'll get is on the top of your tongue, you'll get the sweet, that's hmm. coming from the grain. In the center of your palate, you'll get the fruit, which is coming from the malt. And then at the back, you'll get like a slight spice 
oily kind of mouthfeel and that's coming from the pot still and pot still is uh, unique to Ireland that's one of our notable types of whiskey and that kind of comes back to the conversation we had earlier about taxes yeah so when taxes came in for irish whiskey it was kind of based on how much malt that they were using malted barley i mean so what they did what the irish did was like hey let's use unmalted barley and malted barley mix them together we won't have to pay the taxes for the malted barley so they so that's how we created pot still whiskey and that's why it has its spice because it's got that unmalted barley I love the spice like I'm really drawn to pot still and our 12 year old uses a lot more of a percentage of, of pot still than our original so you get a lot more spice 12 year old will be like my second favorite Tully are, are people starting to um, I mean you know consumers and, and mostly I would say are they starting to sort of understand the concept of, of pot still versus versus a column still and that sort of thing and, and what the difference is and how that impacts the flavor and the aroma of the whiskey because i know that um you know for a while uh i, I guess what are they calling it now they're calling it single pot still now they used to call it pure pot yeah still. And, and and i know for a while that that had almost pretty much vanished until probably the last decade or so it's making a huge comeback so yeah. are people starting to grasp what that concept is and, and are they starting to gravitate towards it more yeah and i think a few market leaders totally led the path for that like I'm thinking green spot comes first to mind. So yeah. green spot Irish whiskey got brought to America like a few years ago. And I remember being a bartender and it coming on my shelf and I was like, Oh my God. Right. Cause I knew it. Of course I knew it from Ireland. I actually used to like take bottles back from duty free and stuff. And when that one came on the shelf, I started introducing people to it. And even at the time I wouldn't even be able to say I was able to describe what pot still was I just knew that I liked it and it had an interesting spice a different a different kind of flavor and uh, I would introduce a lot of bourbon and rye drinkers to it and they loved it and so pot still is kind of made it's it's really been making a statement a lot of our, our different uh, core Irish whiskeys are coming out with pot still uh, only you know uh, expressions but um, I think that maybe everybody doesn't know exactly how it's made but I think that they understand that it's it's a, something that's really special to Ireland nobody else is doing you know unmalted and malted barley together or you know unmalted and malted grain together um, and I think the name comes from when they were making it in the hills right when there was taxes were in and they would put all this together they would make it in a little pot in the mountains mm. and we called it putching putching yeah yeah so pot still um I think it's kind of like the old school whiskey that's back and it's like trending and it's so worth it because it's delicious. Like I love pot still whiskey and I think that you can taste the pot still in this just subtly enough that it's not, um, you know, it doesn't make you kind of stand back where the spice be too much or it doesn't create any kind of burn. Uh, it's subtle, but it's, it's there, you know. Is Tullamore making a puccine? Because I know a lot of the other distilleries are starting to get into that a little bit. And has that been a thing? So puccine is like, we all make puccine, yeah. you know? It's just, it's just new make, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's like we just haven't put it in a barrel, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you know, when they originally, like, when they were making grain alcohol back in the day, right? I don't know my dates, but like, 
when they were making grain alcohol, they were they discovered that grain can, alcohol can become whiskey because they had to put it down the channels, like down the canals, and it would sit in a barrel for like several months. Oh, yeah. And when it would come out, it would have a little bit of color and it would have a bit of flavor. And they were like, damn, let's leave it in longer. Yeah, aging's really an accident. Right? It is. It's an accident. And that's, you know, putching is, you know, before it's aged. Like, I, it's so funny because I just went up to Donegal at Christmas time. So my family's from Donegal. And Donegal is where the majority of the putching was totally made in the time of like the lack of whiskey making i don't know the, the era but like donegal hills were just scattered with little tiny mini uh, home distilleries and mm. um, so i went up and i gave my nana's brother who lives up there he's like a farmer and stuff i gave him a a bottle of tully and he, he went into his shed and he gave me a bottle of putching so they're all still making mm. it and he has tons of it and I took it back to America because I was like, you know what? Like, it's harsh. You know, that stuff is real tough to drink. Yeah. But it's interesting, isn't it? Like, that's like, that's just a lot of history. And to compare it to where we are now, you know, I don't think I need to have putching on my shelf. <laughs> but it's nice to have it to tell a story. Um, and I don't think Tully's going to make a putching. But you know what? Like, they actually might. They don't tell me all their secrets. Like, if we came out with a putching, I'd be interested to try it. Yeah, no, I mean, one of the things I noticed is a lot of the, you know, and again, uh, it's it's really just in parallel to to American distillers who are marketing moonshine, you know, quote unquote, I can't do air quotes on, <laughs> I, I do this all the time, I do air quotes, I'm like, nobody can see me doing that, um, but you know, it's, it's um, but I, I feel like uh, initially when the legal stuff started coming out, they were going with really the classic high proof you know 130 proof or 140 proof stuff yeah but i feel like a lot of them have scaled back a bit and so maybe the low to mid um 100 110 maybe you know that's kind of where they're going mm. with it which you know i guess is um i guess it's 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 easier for people to handle but um you know but the one that i i can't remember which brand it was but there was one that i really liked that was still about 140 proof i mean i know i had it at a bar in limerick and um, and I was just like, this is I I whether I liked it or not, that's not even the issue. It's just I I drink to find things that interest me, or just like I drink for the experience. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's I an just, experience. It, it's like <laughs> it, it, it is an experience, and I couldn't I couldn't put it down because there were flavors there that and aromas that I just wasn't familiar with. There was like a real vegetal character to it. I I kind of was like sour tomato that's what it made me think you know and it was just it is weird you know and i don't know enough about this to like really give you the facts but i opened my uncle's bottle and i immediately sp smelt like a like a dessert wine oh interesting yeah and i was like what's that about and then one of my family members was like i think it's plum pudding and i was like what mm. so they're using whatever they have up there to make something Plum random, wow. you know? I guess that, that's that's probably similar then to like like Slivovitz from uh, Eastern Europe because that's made with plums. So right. It's, it's probably similar to that. We get creative, you know, in Ireland. Like we, when we want to drink, you know, we'll make it work. But it is interesting. I, I, I'd love to know more about putching and that would be an interesting thing to go around and find the different putchings. But I remember like... When I was younger, we we used to talk about it in school because, you know, it was always like, 
what's the story with poutine like where can you get poutine and all apparently all the little shops around like speckled around the countryside always have like a little kind of like back door and they had the poutine were they actually selling it or were they just letting people selling it really was that even legal no probably of course not, not <laughs> right don't like it wasn't me i didn't do it don't catch me out right but um but like i remember like it was accessible right and then i go to donegal and i'm handed a bottle and i'm like okay so it's like that culture is still alive and well like people are still making poutine oh yeah you know it's a but like i think the poutine that you're seeing on the shelves is a lot more refined and i think there's yeah. there's restrictions of like what they can do because you know the if you there's like what do they call it like you go blind drunk that yeah, came from yeah, poutine well, yeah like you can go blind oh sorry. it's okay i must have a that's my um speaking like of game theme. of thrones i like that theme you have to go up the north now. I will, yeah. And then one other place I want to go, because I don't even know if you can even go there, but I want to see them, is they, they've been you know, they've been shooting the Star Wars movies on the islands. Yes, yeah, Skellig Island, yeah, right? Skellig, yeah. So they um, they shot some of Star Wars up in Donegal. Oh, yeah? In, like, my... It's not my hometown. It's where my nana and granddad are from, but I've spent every summer of my childhood up there. My mom and dad just built a house there, so we always go back there. It's called Clonmany real little small town in Ireland. I actually feel like I'm giving a secret away putting this on this. But like... Don't worry, I don't have that many listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, people go to Clamani like, never, right? Even people from, from Donegal are like, where? And I'm like, they, we have a house in Clamani, right? I love it so much. All the Star Wars guys stayed in one of the B&Bs in Clamani because it was all shot right there on the coast of Donegal, which is like the most northern point of Ireland. Um and it's so beautiful like Clonmany has four beaches touching it like it's the tiniest little town it's got the tiniest population and it's got four beaches and two of them are, were voted like the best beaches in Ireland so um go to Donegal mm. do this is what you can do you can go up to Belfast do the Game of Thrones tour go, which it sounds like it's a tour but it's really a scenic drive oh yeah 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 and you stop off at a few filming locations and you'll be like Oh, I know exactly where I am. Like, oh, and nice. yeah, and then he'll the guy like will give you some outfits and you take a picture. But it's it is amazing. It's such a cool experience. And then you go to the um, Giants Causeway, which is an unbelievable like rock formation. And then you just shoot over to Donegal, and then you'll do all your Star Wars stuff. Oh, nice! So you'll get everything done up in the north of Ireland, and the north of Ireland is awesome. I love it up there. I try to go to Belfast like most visits home. Um, and I go to Donegal every time I go home. Okay. It, unless I'm only home for a few days, you know, because it's like a four-hour drive. But Donegal is, in my opinion, the nicest county in Ireland. And there's loads of nice counties in Ireland, so that's saying something good. You know what I mean? Yeah, there was a rumor. I mean, it ended up not being true, but there was a rumor that they were going to shoot part of Star Wars in the um, the market in Cork. What was it the English market it's called or something? I can't really remember. Oh, really? Whatever the major... It, it ended up being... Uh, it ended up being false because like I was trying to figure out how are they gonna get that in there I mean they, they shot a lot in in Dubrovnik in, in Croatia which yeah. is where they shoot King's Landing and Game of Thrones too so it's like but yeah you can see like why they ch choose these places though when you go you're like am I in a different world like I don't think I appreciated Ireland as much you know until I left it I go back and I'm like damn this is nice you know it's so gorgeous and I and I think 
of all those Star Wars people, right, who you know they're on like a multi-million dollar movie, right? Yeah. And they're staying in the B&B in Clamani, like having an Irish breakfast before they go out and work all day in the rain. And I'm thinking like, God, that must have been a fun time. Oh, man. Yeah. They, made, they probably made everybody in the B&B sign like a non-disclosure agreement or something. <laughs> I wouldn't say so. Like in Ireland, it's kind of just like, you know, like, oh, welcome home. Like <laughs> I'd say they all became friends with everybody in the town. Like I'd say, I'd say, you know, Donegal was, well, they're very happy that they did it because it has brought a lot of tourists, which is awesome. But like Donegal, need, those tourists should have went to Donegal anyways. They just didn't have a reason to. So now people are like, you know, flocking into Donegal and you have to go to I'm gonna go yes, ask will, me yeah. before you go I'll tell you everything to do oh definitely yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah no definitely maybe even this year because I mean I'm in I mean I'm in I'm in the UK a lot and you know it's obviously oh, very very close easy. so it's yeah yeah um so uh let's talk a little about some of the the newer expressions um we've, we've talked a lot about the um the classic but we haven't really talked about the newer stuff so tell me a little bit about uh what you've got and you know anything in the pipeline that you can talk of probably not but i mean i know i like i wish i knew more of like mm-hmm. what's going on behind the scenes because when you go to tullamore like like i said there's barrels and barrels of stuff and kevin kind of tells you a little bit about them and he's like this is like you know a madeira like cask and then he's like and this is like a little you know tiny like these little barrels like i know they can't see me on the podcast but basically <laughs> like barrels that are like as long you know as your arm and i'm like huh how's that gonna go and he, and one of the interesting things he was telling me about those little tiny barrels is more wood is touching more liquid right because it's smaller so like what's that gonna bring like and i think that with whiskey you have to wait right you got to wait till it comes out of the barrel to see what you're going to have and how it's going to work and there's certainly things that fail but we have some exciting stuff to work with i don't know what comes next but i think we have exciting stuff to work with and uh who knows like maybe we'll make a puchin maybe we'll make a pot <laughs> still like i'm up for all i of have it. to be the first to know if you do you <laughs> oh me. i'll let you know yeah but i think we've had some fun already like so we have tullamore original We've got the 12 year old, which is really tasty, kind of a, a lot sweeter. It's It's got like a kind of like a more of a sherry influence, more of a pot still influence. So I really love the 12 year old. It's it's uh, definitely like I have it on the rocks kind of to sit and like enjoy. Um, the 15 year old trilogy, that one is basically um, a version of the 12 year old but it's finished in rum casks, so it has a lot more kind of toffee caramel feels, really tasty. And then two ones that are just so interesting is the 14 and the 18 year single malts. So everything that we do has been a triple blend up until we made these two. Um, we decided to try a single malt. It was kind of uh, headlined by John Quinn and Brian Kingsman, our master blender. And uh, they were like, let's try make this Irish single malt. And they did such a good job. They're both such interesting um, whiskeys. Like, you know, when you read the description of a whiskey and then you taste it. For me, when you taste those ones, everything in the description comes through. It's like it's talking about tropical fruits. It's talking about like maybe a little bit of coconut, maybe some caramel toffee. And I'm tasting and I'm like, yep. Yeah, 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 you know. So those those two are really interesting. But kind of like our expressions that we have fun with was the XO, which is the Caribbean Rome cast. And that one is 43 proof. So 
really great for cocktails and a lot of people have been having fun with it in tiki cocktails because it holds its own it has that rum nuance but it's irish whiskey so like take a rum drink and try it with xo mm. see what happens and people are having a lot of fun and i think that that's part of the success of irish whiskey i mean that's what we were talking about at the start you know like why is it getting so popular again it's versatile yeah like we can sit here and sip this like this or I can make you an Irish coffee. I can make you a chilled Irish coffee. I can make you a tiki rum style drink with Irish whiskey. Like every, it's it's kind of lends itself to different uh, drinks and it's not overpowering, but it doesn't fade into the background. So I think that uh, being here at San Antonio Cocktail Conference, seeing what people are doing with Irish whiskey is very exciting. And uh, I think that Tullamore Dew is there is kind of getting winning a lot of people with the XO because it has that 43 proof. It has that interesting element about it um, and it holds itself in a cocktail. So I'm, I, I think that's like the, the cocktail bartender's choice. Um, and then the cider cast is just, that to me is like, if you've never tasted whiskey before in your life, Tullamore do cider cast, just start there because it's gentle. It's like apple-y, it's sweet it's doesn't have you know any harshness to it it's i'd say like i don't know what the mix is but i'd say it's subtle on the pot still because it just is so sweet and fruity um and it's that to me is uh the perfect sipping if you just want to gently sip on something nice and light or if you want to add it to a cocktail it's great in cocktails i made some really fun uh like christmas thanksgiving style holiday drinks with cider cask and everybody was loving them like yeah. yeah it was such an interesting take right because it has that apple but it's not um it's not like sugary fake mm. apple it's legit right it's got it's just subtle does it, is it reminiscent of like calvados that kind of apple yeah it is it is but it's like a green apple it's yeah. like a granny smith right it's not it's you know it's not a red apple like that's that's kind of the taste that you taste and one of the fun things that we've been doing is like blending a granny smith in a juicer just one exact apple and Tullamore Dew cider cask or original, right? Both work. And a bit of ice and a lemon slice. It's, we're calling it the green machine, but it's like so sweet and delicious and light. And you almost don't realize that you're drinking whiskey. Like it's, that to me is like a lovely tasty cocktail. Um, so there's times that you want to sit and have, you know, a strong whiskey. You want to have an old fashioned or you want to have a Tully 12 on the rocks and just really sit there and sip it and enjoy it. But there's also fun, like, you know, have something sweet, have like a rum style drink, have, you know, a cider take on a spice cider or a cider hot toddy. Like all of these drinks are really fun and Irish whiskey kind of just works for them all. And I think that's what's interesting. And I love all our expressions. I can't wait to see what we come up with next, but uh, they won't tell me what it is. <laughs> so well, I guess we have to wait. We'll enjoy these till until then, right? <laughs> Back to the XO. Um, was that sort of uh, uh, the, the choice of the term XO, like basically borrowing a, a, a cognac term? Um, was that intentional? I like it because, well, for me, the XO, the bottle, like you look at it and it, it doesn't really look like an Irish whiskey. I wish I had one to show you, but it's like a, the label is like a blue color. We've got some gold on there. And like our, our label is like a lovely rich green, right? You know, it's Irish whiskey on yeah. the shelf. So the XO like kind of, I think the name helped. I think the label helped to make it stand out and be like, hey, 
I'm not just Irish whiskey. Like I'm different, you know, like try it out. And I think that, uh, X, it's really called like Tullamore Dew Caribbean Rum Cast, but XO is easier. It's, mm. we don't have to think about it. And it kind of, uh, it's been a bit of a party starter for us. Like we've had some really fun, um, launch parties for XO where we bring in like Caribbean music, Caribbean dancers, we drink out of coconuts and like, it's just been so fun to launch that product and, and kind of enjoy like that, you know, we're all about inclusivity. Like our beauty of blend campaign, right? Is okay. We're a blended Irish whiskey, but there's like 50 million people in the world who claim to be Irish. Like, we are all Irish. Like, let's have fun with it. Let's, let's like nod to all of our cousins and enjoy that. You know, we're all, we're all proud to be Irish. So we kind of, that's like our messages and we're all about that. And we're all about telling the story of like, everybody can be Irish and we're everybody together. It's our message is the blending of thoughts, cultures, and ideas makes the world a way more interesting place and a way more fun place. So blending Caribbean rum idea with Irish whiskey sounds a bit crazy but ended up being a real cool party and I, I wonder if they're drinking it in the Caribbean like that's what I want to know we gotta go yeah no I gotta now I gotta find out <laughs> <laughs> so uh where could everybody find you on social media and you know where they find more about uh, Tullamore and uh, just give me all the handles and whatever yeah sure so at Tullamore do uh, follow the brand they're like you know they post fun stuff um, so it's really cool and they kind of post our stuff too but to follow me I'm at Tully dot D E E so D E E it's like as if my name is D mm. 33 because I'm a psycho about the number 33 and I think that 3 is the luckiest number in the world well, it's actually my, my birthday is March 3rd so 3 3 <laughs> my boyfriend's birthday is March 3rd are you kidding me? yeah <laughs> And I was like, my when I met him and I found that out, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, is this meant to be? <laughs> my birthday is the 3rd of November, so the 3rd of the 11th, which is, if you multiply, it's 33. Oh my God. I'm all about the number three. I'm like obsessed. We could have a whole podcast just yeah, on the do number a three. Podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's me, at Tully.D33. Um, just follow me for fun stuff. I just tend to party and like drink Tully and meet people and have fun with interesting people like you um, and our website uh, our website will tell you more about the brand and uh, feel free to direct message me all your listeners I'm like always down to help out love to come and do some tastings with people but uh, if you want to know like the basics the core you go to the website DM me for the more interesting deeper information all right and as always you can find me at all the usual places at Jeff Cialetti on Twitter uh, drinkable globe on instagram and remember the world is out there drink it up the drinkable globe.